דף נ"ו עמוד ב, רובינג איידיאס, כל שמייצר דמית אמרי בית לטה. What we're looking at today is the concept of ideas that have been innovated and are now in the public domain. So that's something very relevant for nowadays, of course. What are our legal and ethical obligation to these owners? We're not going to go into the full legalities of intellectual property, um, but more to look at our relationship and our ethical and moral responsibilities in this regard. And to do that, we're going to use a maharal today. The maharal is, is so important in so many different ways. And there are a lot of things that we don't really uh, always appreciate about the maharal. Firstly, he lived at the time of the bridge between the Rishonim and the Achronim. So he's um, early 16th century, uh, during the 16th century. Uh, he's just after the Ramon and the Maharshal. So he's one of those very early Achronim. Uh, and one of the many things that, that he did was bring Kabbalistic concepts to become accessible uh, to Torah intellectuals, to, to people who've learned, uh, to people who are thinking. And he's sometimes credited with being the forerunner of the Hasidic movement, which the Baal Shem Tov started more than a century later. Um, and the Baal Shem Tov made Kabbalistic ideas popular and accessible to the man in the street. That the Maharal didn't do at all. But he certainly gave a philosophic language and, and framework for Kabbalistic ideas that people could grapple with them, could understand them. Uh, and, and that was a, a huge innovation. He also innovated in the way he taught Torah. Uh, it wasn't the normal standard method of the yeshivas, which is why when he came to Prague, and he was already in his 60s when he came to Prague, and he started... The shul then, he taught Talmidim in the shul, but he didn't call it a yeshiva because the method was so different. Uh, so in Prague, he had retired from the rabbinate, so to say. He didn't have an official position in Prague. He was just a, a private citizen. And yet that's where we, all that we have from the Maharal comes from those years. All of his svarim were published during those last 30 years of his life in, uh, in Prague. And the Maharal is going to share with us really two approaches to this concept of ownership of ideas that are in the public domain. The one is a, a matter of character and, and character traits, which we'll, which we'll look at. And the other is questions of ethics uh, and, and possible theft. The Maharal relates to the Mishnah in the sixth parak of Pirkei Avot, Uh, that lists 48 kinyanim, 48 character traits necessary in order to master Torah. Torah, unlike other forms of, of knowledge, cannot be mastered just by mastering the material. You have to master yourself as well. The individual has to be masterful uh, and have a character that is masterful. And uh, in Pirkei Avot, we're taught these 48 ways, uh, 48 human characteristics necessary for the Lomei Torah, for some who's for someone who's learning Torah. And the last of those 48 is if a person says something in the name of he who originally said it, who initiated that idea. So a person who gives credit to the initiator, the inventor of an idea. And then the, the Mishnah goes on to say, because anybody who does that, anybody who credits the, the author of an idea with with his authorship, brings Gu'ulai, brings redemption to the world. As it says, as it says in Megillah's Esther, we've just, we've just read, uh, that Esther told the king in the name of Mordechai. She could have taken credit for saving the king's life, uh, but she didn't. She gives the credit to Mordechai. 
And uh, from there we learn that the person who does that, who gives credit to the owner, to the originator of an idea, and the Maral explains, um, by the way, the Maral's piece is a, a long, beautiful essay on this Mishnah, which he writes in Derech HaChayim. Derech HaChayim is his parish on Pirkei Avot. And he says that Mevigula doesn't necessarily mean that that person brings the Mashiach. Lots of people say, say things in the names of those who initiated them, and, and Mashiach hasn't come yet. But it eases the Galut. It makes out the status of the Jewish people among the nations of the world uh, easier and more honorable if we, if we do that. And the Maral questions, why this relationship to Geula? Why does saying something in the name of the originator bring Geula? And, and he explains very beautifully, because Hashem wants to bring the Geula. He wants to bring redemption. He wants to bring us back to, to Eretz Israel and rebuild the Beis Hamikdash. But he doesn't want to do it unless he's sure that we will credit him with it and we won't take credit for it. And until he feels that we have that midah, we have that characteristic of giving the originator, of giving the author credit, and we'll see that in the way we, we cite references, the way we share ideas with one another. If we are a nation that is very careful about noticing the origin, where does this initially come from, and providing the original source when one does it and not take credit for it oneself, then the uh, Hashem will bring the gula. And that's something that applies not only with the general gula, it applies in people's private lives too. Hashem often wants to do things for us, wants to give us wealth, wants to give us health, wants to give us nachas from our family and our children. There are all sorts of things that he has in store for us. And he withholds it because he's not satisfied that we are sufficiently willing to surrender uh, ownership of those accomplishments and recognize that they come from the Rebbeinu When we show ourselves to be that type of person, that type of person that gives credit to the originator, then Hashem is much more willing to give us what's in store for us. And that's why the Maral explains it's, it's Esther. It had to be specifically in the story of Purim. Because in the story of Pesach, you didn't have to be a, a genius to know that it was Hashem. There were such amazing miracles. Even Paran knew it was Hashem. Even in the story of Hanukkah, there were open miracles. We knew that it was Hashem. But in the story of Purim, Hashem's name doesn't appear in the Megillah because Hashem's not obvious there. And it's when Hashem's presence is not obvious that Hashem is truly testing the degree to which we recognize the origin and the source. So when Esther says, B'Shem Mordechai, she tells the king in the name of Mordechai, she shows herself to be a person worthy of being the instrument of Geula. Somebody who understands it's not me. Uh, this is not through my intelligence or my skills or my abilities or contacts. This has been missing. These are miracles. And the ability to see miracle in the ordinary and credit Hashem with those miracles is something that it's important for us to cultivate. And one of the ways we cultivate it is by being able to see the brilliance of the initiator of an idea in his idea or her idea and saying it in their name. That's the idea of Ahmed Avar B'Shem Omro, explains the, um, the, the Maral. So then comes the question, how meticulous do, you, do we have to be? How far do we go? And that brings us to our sugya, where the Mishnah quotes a, a halakha, and it's not in the halakha, we're not going to go into that. The halakha is that, kol min shenazir megalech alea chayavin alea The Mishnah correlates 
the law of those types of tumor that a nazir has to stop his nazirut and start again with those kind of tumah which uh, cause a, 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 a terror transgression if one comes into the Beis HaMikdash with that type of tumah. But it's not about the law that the Mishnah, that the Gemara attacks the Mishnah, but about the first few words. Amar Rabbi Eliezer, Mishum Rabbi Yeshua, and the Rishash says it's not Rabbi Eliezer, it's Rabbi Elazar. Otherwise the synchronicity or the historic synchronicity doesn't work. Um, that Rabbi Elazar said this in the name of Rabbi Yeshua, and the Gemara says, Rabbi Elazar, Mishum Rabbi Yeshua, Gamala. Is it true that Rabbi Elazar learned this from Rabbi Yeshua? And the Gemara tells a story uh, that makes it very clear that Mishum Rabbi Yeshua Bar Memel Gamela, that he heard this from Rabbi Yeshua Bar Memel, not from Rabbi Yeshua. Shvamina, and we see from this, the Gemara draws a conclusion. If something has been passed on through three phases, uh, Reuven tells it to Shimon, and Shimon tells it to, to Levi, and Levi tells it to, to Yehuda. Um, and you have to recognize the initiator of the idea and the person from whom you heard it, the person who in, enlightened you and passed that idea to you. It isn't necessary to say all the middle ones as well. And then Rav Nachman says, we've also learned it elsewhere, where Nachum HaLavlar said, Lavlar is a, a writer, a secretary, a, a transcriber, Kach Mekublani Mirabi Miyasha, this is, I have this handed down to me from Rabbi Miyasha, Shikibel Me'aba, Shikibel Me'nazugot, Shikiblu Me'nanvim, and he got it from Abba, and he got it from Zugot, and the Zugot are... Shmaya and Avtalyon and the people who lived at that period, and they got this from the Nevi'im, Halachan and Moshe Misinai, and this comes from Moshe at Sinai. And then he goes into a, a, a law of, of um, Kilayim, of planting different seeds together. But the Gemara says, you see, Ve'ilu Yoshua Ve'chalev lo kachashim, he misses out, he skips a generation. Moshe handed it over to Yoshua and Kalev, and they handed it over to the Nevi'im who handed it over to the Zugot and, and so on. But we're missing that step. Why is that, why is that so? So we see from here that you don't have to mention every step in the line of tradition. You just have to mention the first and the last. There's a, um, a, an interesting suggestion that uh, uh, an important time with Chochum by the name of, of Rabbi Shlomo Hyman, who was a Rovan Rosh Hashiva in Eastern Europe, the Talmud of Rabbi Baruch Ber and the Chofetz Chaim, and when the Yeshiva Torah in New York was looking for a Rosh Yeshiva in the 1930s, Rabbi Chaim Ozogrudzinski suggested uh, that Rabbi Shlomo Hyman come. Rabbi Shlomo Hyman wrote, uh, this is, we have a sefer, Chidusha uh, Shlomo, um, and he writes, I haven't seen this inside, I've only seen it quoted, that Rabbi Chaim Soloveitchik says, when you see a Rishon, for example, referenced, uh, you don't have to say where the reference came from if you've seen the Rishon inside. So often, even when I'm preparing this Matmonim, I, I will come across a reference to a Rishon, um, a footnote in a Sefer or somebody's Shear, that there's a reference to a Rishon. I'll look at the Rishon and learn the Rishon in its original source and bring it to you and quote it to you as the Rishon, not necessarily citing the person that made reference to it, unless that person has an angle and a chidush in the way he understands that Rishon then of course I, I, I will cite him. And that's something that, that Reb Chaim said. Um, and the, the Yerushalmi says, uh, also we have Yerushalmi in Shabbos, that im yachol at l'shalshel et ha'shmoa ad Moshe shalshela. If you can 
talk about the chain and attribute it all the way to Moshe, do that so that we understand the source of the halachas that we're learning and the source that it, all of it goes back to Moshe. Um, but if you can't do that, then at least the, the, the first or the last one, uh, one should mention. And then he goes on to say, the, the Rishalmi goes on to say, and when you do some, say something in the name of the person who first said it, a really important idea in Torah learning. Again, different from any other study. When you are learning something in, in the name of somebody else, like we're learning the Maharal, you've got to see the Maharal standing in front of you and teaching you. You've got to relate personally. You've got to have a human connection to these people. Even going all the way back to Moshe Rabbeinu, you've got to see Moshe. Uh, and you're learning a, a Rabbi Eloza, we've got to see Rabbi Eloza in front of us, and a Rabbi Yeshua Bar Memo, we've got to see him in front of us. And these are real people, we need to hear them talking to us. Um, so why is that important then, uh, only to mention the first and not the last, why, why, and the last, why not the ones in the middle? So we, here's where we come to the second idea. The first idea of Kol Ahmed is a character trait that we need to have the type of character that is willing to give credit to the originator of an idea or of a thing or of life. In the case of Hashem, give, a, give recognition to the originator. That's part of the idea of Kibbut Ava'im, who originated your life, and being able to give cover to earlier generations as well, where your life was truly originated. Just the ability to go back to source is a precondition for Geula. So that's an, an, an element of character and characteristics. But there's another element. The Maral in the same essay, at the beginning of the essay, says, The reason you've got to say things in the name of the person who's originated the idea is to make sure that you're not stealing, you're not robbing the Torah from the person who said it. That's an unbelievable idea that you can rob Torah uh, from somebody else, uh, that although it's not tangible, although it's not physical, it's an idea, you can rob it. And you, the way you rob it is by taking credit for something that somebody else said, not mentioning the originator of the idea. That's called Gezelata Torah, you're actually stealing Torah. And where does the, the Maral get that from? That you've got this idea of Gezela and Torah. Now, I'd suggest he gets it from a Medrash Tanchum in Parshas Bamidbar, where the Chizkiya says in the name of Rabbi Yemei Bar Abba B'Shem Rabbi Yochanan, look at it how often the Medrash and the Gemara will always say, Rabbi Chizkiya said this in the name of Rabbi Yemei Bar Abba, in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, always giving credit. Kol she'eino omer davar b'shem umro, anybody who doesn't quote and, and give credit to the originator of an idea, alava katuv omer, al tigzal dal ki dalhu, don't steal from a poor person just because he's poor. So that the Gemara says, you see, you see that the Medrash considers this a person who doesn't say something in the name of the originator as gzelat dal, you're taking away, you're stealing from somebody who can't defend him, himself. And again, we have this Rabbi Tankum Alav Larhia, Mekubal Animi Rabbi Mashaya, the same story, um, learning this from, from Megillah Esther, uh, and that that's why the Gula came came about. But what we see in the Medrash that we don't see elsewhere is that it's, is that it's called a form of gazela. And because of that, the Maharal brilliantly says, here's a second reason why it links to Geula. 
Because what is Galut? When we're in the Galut, we've been, the Jewish people has been take, have been taken away from Hashem. And they've been scattered around the world. Geula is giving the Jewish people back to its origin, to their original owner, giving the bringing the Jewish people back to Hashem, and therefore Hashem varim shehem by crediting the originator idea of an idea with the idea, you are returning the idea, you are turning the concept, the, the memra, to the person who created it, to the person who originated it. That's an important element to bring about the Gula, to show that, show that we too are sensitive, not only to physical theft, but to make sure that even the ideas we learn and teach and share are shared and learned and taught in the names of the people who originated those ideas and who passed them on and made them uh, available to us. And so it's important in our lives that we become accustomed to recognizing the source of things. Who really is responsible for this? To who do I really owe uh, what I have here, whether it's an idea or it's a thing or it's my life, and constantly be aware of the importance of attributing ownership to those who are the true owners. And uh, certainly when we talk about the public domain and the internet, where so much is available, if it's an original idea, it's really important that at all times we give credit to the people who originated.